Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. This is the ContenderCast. It's Justin Hahnemann. Our mission is simple, to shine a light on bright ideas. And today, I'm going to say, before we even get going, you're going to be very hungry after today's (laughs) podcast. I am with Stephen Kars, who is the CEO and founder of King of Pops. And uh, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Excited to be here. Yeah, totally. So um, for those that don't know King of Pops, it is becoming a phenomenon, especially in the Southeast. And I'm going to let Stephen talk about that this morning. But here's our our roadmap for this morning. We're talking about starting this business, um, started in 2010, which I'm super excited to, to share that story with you guys. Um, and then how it's grown, where it's going. Um, we'll talk about some of the the how, but then we'll talk about some of the cool parts of branding and products. So I'm super excited just to get us rolling here. So Steven, how about introduce yourself and then introduce King of Pops? Yeah, of course. So uh, I, my name's Steven Kars. I was born in Minnesota, uh, but kind of grew up down here in Georgia. Um, and over the years, just thought I was going about a normal trajectory. I went to the University of Georgia and had a journalism degree. And you know uh, I'm a Georgia Tech guy. You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and thought I was going to be a journalist. So I, I moved to Idaho. Um, I was skiing out near Jackson Hole and uh, writing and realized that the path was not quite working the way I had planned. Um, came back to Georgia. My oldest, my middle brother got me a job at AIG and um, I was having a great time there two or three years in. Uh, 2008, 2009, the recession hits. I get laid off and uh, decide I'm going to try something other than insurance. And luckily I had been kind of thinking through this popsicle idea with me and my two older brothers. Uh, my oldest brother is an anthropologist in um he was in Panama and Ecuador and kept introducing us to the paleta whenever we would go on these trips. And initially I was kind of like, all right, bro, like whatever. These are, these are kind of cool. But and I've, what is paleta? A paleta is basically just a fruit popsicle. Um, but instead of kind of corn syrup and artificial flavorings like our pops historically are made with, it is fresh ingredients, really interesting flavors. And they just kind of blew us away. And so every time when you're kind of a college kid or beyond and you want to go on vacation, um, a couch is always the cheapest option. So I'd go down there and we would <laughs> nice. we'd kind of tour around and this would always be a thing. So when I got laid off, um, we had talked about it enough that it just felt like, hey, maybe this was happening for a reason and kind of went for it. I think that's awesome. So um, you founded King of Pops and it started with a used ice cream push cart, right? Back Correct. in 2010 yeah. here in Atlanta. Yeah. And it's grown significantly. So how did you get started? You know, from the, you went on the trip, you thought this is a cool idea, great product. I, I think we've, a lot of us have had yeah. these kind of ideas, but how did you yeah. take it from that to, we're going to, I'm going to start something yeah. that's a business? So got laid off in a, around, I think it was September. Um, I finished off the brave season selling cotton candy, walking up and down the stands and, and, and kind of had that connection of like, I liked selling things to people, handing it to them and then them handing me the cash. Uh, but I knew that uh, I kind of had to develop a brand and it wouldn't make sense to open in the middle of the winter if I was going to do popsicles. Um, so I, I selected the date of April 1st. That's when I'm going to open and just kind of started building a business. Uh, started with the brand stuff first and then... Um, I thought I was going to open like a regular store, like an ice cream shop, except I'd be selling these pops. Sure. And, uh, when I kind of ran out of money, AKA found out that 
I did, in fact, need a grease trap, even though I would not be producing any grease. Uh, I had to pivot, and um, the, the folks that were going to lease me that space were nice enough to let me set up a, a push cart there on that corner. So I scrambled. I found a push cart that was much like the ones that we were buying pops out of in, in throughout Latin America and opened on a single street corner um, just, just a couple feet away from where I was planning on starting, but with a much different idea and kind of went from there. It was happened to be where this the food trucks were in like full hipness like everyone was super stoked about food trucks and it kind of fit into that scene really well and it was such a perfect mistake to be in the push carts instead of in sure. a, a brick and mortar for us sure. just so much flexibility ability to go to like any event and every event which is something we really try to do now and um connect with the audience in a more there's no counter between you and the customer. You're you're right there next to them. Yeah. So some of the flavors, I think some of my favorites, the banana pudding peach, blackberry ginger lemonade, chocolate sea salt. So how did you decide what to start with from yeah. a product perspective? So the first flavors were really inspired by those original paletas. Um, so pineapple habanero. Um, a rose con leche. Yeah. A lot tamarind. of those were, were inspired directly from the, the Latin flavors. And then as we were going along, we realized... Uh, these are really good, but we know like these southern flavors. So you mentioned banana pudding, like that's that's something that like I think we understand a little bit better. Um, so we started we <laughs> nice. started shifting a little bit. We still do both, um, but shifting more towards flavors that people like really loved and understood here. But putting them in a pop, and the great thing about a popsicle is you can literally put anything in it. Sure. And uh, so the the flavor options are 100% endless and we're we're just getting going. I think we've made 4 or 500 flavors at this point. Wow, 4 or 500 flavors. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you make raspberry lime and then you say raspberry lemonade, raspberry lemonade with ginger, raspberry lemonade with uh, mint and, right. and it just keeps going. It's like it's like Subway I think has millions of combinations sure. but in the reality it doesn't feel like they've got that many. No, that's true. All right, so you start the company in 2010, 7 years old now. So when it first got started, it was this around the you know, 365 day business or was it kind of just during the warm months? How did that start and how has that evolved? Yeah, we didn't have a plan for after the first season. Um, so it started to get cold and we were kind of bummed out because people <laughs> liked the brand, but were a little bit less interested. Right. Um, so that first year we, 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 we threw a big party at the end of the year and then uh, Nick, my brother and I kind of went on our ways and I don't remember where we even went that year, but I know I took a long vacation. He took a long vacation. We circled back up around February or March of the next year and kind of tried to plan what we we're going to do that year. And um, it's really taken off. I mean, never really imagined being bigger than two, three, four person business. Didn't sure. have plans to be in several cities and hundreds of employees. So it's, uh, I guess when you don't have a an aspiration to be there, everything's just kind of a win. Right. Which, which is <laughs> That's really nice. so true. Yeah. Like no expectations. Yeah. So everything is a plus. Yeah. So um, we're sitting in your production facility yeah. and office here in Atlanta. I know yeah. that's growing and expanding. And um, But you also have locations in Charleston and Greenville and Richmond and Charlotte. So how did those develop and evolve? And how did you decide, you know, those cities yeah. versus others? I know you've primarily wanted to focus on the Southeast. Yeah. So our vision is to stay in the South. So that's the first thing. So we've gotten offers to do things in New York or LA or whatever. Um, so the first city we went to was Charleston and really pretty simple. It was just one of our good buddies wanted to do it. 
Right? <laughs> he wanted to go <laughs> to Charleston. That's a great reason. Uh, he thought Charleston would be great. Um, it's been good. So that that's how we started. Um, then a friend from Charlotte wanted to do it. kind of made sense. Then a friend from Richmond. More recently, we've kind of gotten a bit more strategic. We're already driving up and down 85 a lot. So we added sure. Greenville. Sure. Um, Nashville, we just added a couple years ago, right which Gulch, is a, right? a great city. Yeah. Um, and so now we're being a little bit more strategic uh, where we're going and kind of how we're doing it. Um, I wouldn't say we've got it figured out, but we are uh, thinking about it really hard and, and, and adjusting things and, and figuring out a plan that works for us. We get a lot of calls. Uh, we're not a franchise. Uh, which is something that is a, an intentional decision we've made. Um, Talk more about that in terms of how do you decide whether just to stay company-owned or move yeah, the franchise model? I mean, the brand is so important to us, and we felt like if we franchised, no matter how good we did of picking amazing people, they would be starting their own brand um, right. as owners no in doubt. each of their cities. So uh, we wanted to have a brand that people kind of understood and loved, and that's our first and foremost focus. The purpose of our company is to create unexpected moments of happiness. So we do that right. through um, pops most often, but we will also do it. We, we host a yoga event in all of our cities that has kind of taken off in the last few years. We do. We have a field day that we just wrapped up here yep. in Atlanta where thousands thousand of people, people came yeah. out. And, Amazing. Uh, all these things are not, I mean, on their own, not that unique, but in, in, in culmination, I think are very unique and that um, each of our employees feel like they can do whatever they need to do to kind of spread happiness, which, sure. which is a lot of fun. No question. So some of our listeners are in the you know manufacturing production space and they're thinking about brands and products and packages, yeah. et cetera. And so as you have opened new locations, have you also opened production in different locations or how have you sourced some of the materials and then how do you get that out to those? Yeah. Locations? So it's been a journey. We've uh, initially, we started in Atlanta, like I said, and then as we went into new cities, we did have small kitchens, um, as, as we've grown, some of the challenges have just come up where it made sense to, to kind of bring that back to one single production facility. So we're investing really heavily. We're moving um, at the beginning of next year to a much larger production facility here in Atlanta. Um, one thing we are really focused on, though, is still being able to purchase local ingredients. So uh, raspberries don't exist here in Richmond, but I mean in Atlanta, but they are really good <laughs> in Richmond. there, sure. Um, so for when we drop off our pops there, we'll be bringing uh, raspberries back when sure. peach season ends in Georgia, it's still going in North Carolina and South Carolina. When we drop off the pops there, we'll pick up some peaches wow. and bring them back. So okay. it's a way that we can still support the local farmers in each of our markets, um, make, make really great popsicles here. Um, and, uh, we're excited to kind of see where it goes. We are opening like a few of what we call like King of Pops bars and they, uh, they will have onsite production, but they're, they're at a much smaller kind of restaurant size uh, capacity. They're not trying to make enough pops for the masses, if you will. Got it. And so you also opened a farm, right? Yeah. As well. And so what's your thinking on that? Yeah. So all of this kind of goes back to um, closing the loop. So we, we were composting from the very beginning and it was always kind of a struggle to figure out um, how to do that. Um, so we knew we had a, <laughs> a need and then obviously we're always looking for great produce. Uh, a lot of the smaller farmers um, aren't interested in selling 100% of their strawberries or 100% of their product to you. So sure. we started growing some of our own. We wanted to grow our own produce so we could control that. I mean, we're, we're in the infancy stages of our farm right now. Got it. Uh, but one thing that we're kicking off that we're really proud of this year at our farm um, is a, a project called King of Compost. So uh, <laughs> creative name. And uh, 
we're, we're, there's, a, there's a guy here named David Paul that started a company called Compost Wheels who'd help us with our compost for years and um, has done a really good job. But historically, all of the uh, large-scale composting has happened hours and hours away. Here in Atlanta, it's in South Georgia. And um, when a farm needs that sure. finished product back, most of the cost they're paying is for transportation. So if we do it closer into the city at our farm... Um, it's going to be a lot cheaper for them. We're also able to make a product that works better. So once yep. we have the space for the farm, there's just a lot of options. We do sure. a lot of education on composting and uh, sustainable farming, which is almost as important as the no things question. we grow. Yep. Um, and yeah. So in addition to pops, you've also gotten into some other businesses, right? Yeah. right? So uh, Christmas trees. Yeah. And then you've got some other kind of extensions. So pops for pups, <laughs> yeah. um, the pop bar, yeah. et cetera. So talk about some of your kind of uh, yeah, we, dabbling and trying different parts. When of we've had an businesses. issue, we've tried to solve it with um, a business and I guess vertical integration. So the first one we started was Perfect 10, which is our distribution business. We knew we were going to be driving around to different uh wholesale markets, so sure. Whole Foods and right. uh, Earth Fair and, and, and places like this, if we're delivering the pops, we might as well have a few other brands on our truck, sure. um, focusing on Frozen there because we already have the cold chain kind of set up. So that was the first one. We felt like we could do it better for what our exact needs than some of the big distributors. Um, after that, uh, it, like we were saying earlier on, it gets cold every winter. The pop demand kind of <laughs> <Right>. drops. <laughs> And we have these great employees that we wanted to kind of keep keep employed, and then um, retention, as we all know, is super sure. important. And so training and whatnot. Training. Yeah. So uh, we started a tree elves business, which is a Christmas delivery and pickup. Uh, we come fully elfed up, so everyone's got an <laughs> elf name, and uh, kind of in the spirit of Christmas, we deliver the trees, and then when uh, the holidays are over, we come and pick them up. And then King of Pups, just a lot of the events we're at. Uh, that's our dog treat, frozen dog treat. Um, people were just buying the pops and giving them their dogs, which is completely okay too. But <laughs> sure. if you want to have a, a product specifically designed for the health needs of dogs, uh, that one's a little better. Oh my gosh. And so again, all this centers on creating experience, right? So yeah. you order a Christmas tree, exactly. it's delivered. There's a whole experience around it. Yeah. Yeah. So we want unexpected moments of happiness definitely spreads to tree elves too, because we'll call ahead of time. Um, my name's chimney, the elf. So if I'm, I'm showing up chimney. Yeah, I chimney. Like that. Okay. So if I'm showing up and it's uh, a couple weeks, three weeks before Christmas, and I find out that little Timmy's got uh, he he's has this one thing about Santa that he wants me to say, we can kind of play into that idea and, and have a lot of fun with it, and that's kind of where we can differentiate ourselves because uh, we've got people that have spent the last nine months selling popsicles, which is a pretty joyous occasion, and then. Uh, we just keep it going with the trio. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, so with any new company and, and growth comes challenges, right? So what have, what would you say have been some of the biggest lessons learned, maybe two or three over the last seven years as this company has gotten oh, off the man. ground? I mean, we talked a lot about expansion and people just want to expand because it feels like it's what you should do. Um, right. Which yeah. is, that's also a, a challenge, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a huge challenge. Um, Whereas we haven't franchised, we've still had people that have felt a lot of ownership in each of our cities. And figuring out how to replicate the success we've had here in Atlanta has been fun. And they've been successful, but just on a slightly different scale. So figuring that out has been really hard. Um, communication is always really hard once you add some space. Sure. Um, 
and people in other locations. Yeah. And so, yep. so really trying hard to, to kind of master that and, and really become just a, a better business in that sense. Um, we've got all the right tools. We just, we got to keep refining it and, and, and kind of figuring that out. And we've been doing that with, with awesome people all around the, the South for a while now. So that's been, that's been fun. What about the tension between creativity and like new product ideas? Yeah, and, you know, we should go one. here and, and develop, you know, here all these different ideas, I'll call it. And then the, versus the, Hey, we need to have a, a good process in place for running yeah. the business or structure. What have you found in terms of that tension? Yeah. You can probably tell just from the conversation we've had for the last 15 minutes, but my head's kind <laughs> right. of all over the place. We've 16 done everything. minutes and 30. So seconds. it can be hard to, um, it can be hard to say no to stuff and, and like with pops, definitely any flavor is a possibility. Um, so we have had to become a bit more intentional. Like, um, we're now ordering packaging that needs to be ordered three months ahead of time in order to, got it to match the seasonality. So we do have to have a bit more of a plan than just, Hey, this is what we got at the farmer's <laughs> right. market. Let's mix it together and get it out the door. Sure, sure. Um, so that's been a huge challenge and like, I'm not naturally a planner. So it's finding people that are, the, the compliment your skill set, which is totally super important as everyone knows. Um, and, and then, I mean, just growing all the time and part of growing, I guess, is realizing that, uh, more isn't always better. And sometimes just focusing on what you've got and, and refining what you've got is, is, is more important than doing the next thing. Sure. So, and then the, the last thing I thought we could cover is, you know, different ways that people you know, get access to your product. Right? Yeah. It started off on a cart, but now, yeah. you know, before we walked in to sit down here, you know, we were talking through catering and whatnot. Yeah. So how have you seen that evolve and some of the um, changes there yeah. the shift and what you can bring to market? Yeah. So we're, we're all, over, our, our idea is to have a popsicle kind of wherever you might want to be. And a lot of times that's at a festival outdoors. So that's how we kind of started. Uh, we realized that a lot of people were having their own outdoor events sure. or indoor events. Right. So the quickest growing part of our business is just catering. And that's where like an office complex will say, Hey, I've got a hundred employees and we want to have this kind of cool event. And would you guys come out? And so they'll buy the pops ahead of time. We'll show up with our cart and our, our umbrella and our chalkboard menu and a vendor. And it's really quick and easy. And sure. it's, it's actually a cheaper way to treat a hundred people than a, than a full out uh, meal. Um, right. So that part of our business is growing really quickly and you can get really creative, everything from weddings to bar mitzvahs to graduation parties to huge conventions at uh, the Georgia World Congress Center. We've done five, 6,000 person uh, conventions. And then obviously the kind of the wholesale market is sure. one that is a no brainer, but it, it's just a different beast in a right, lot of ways. Totally so different. We're, we're competing against uh, Jenny's and Ben and Jerry's and uh, these really big guys on the shelves. And um, we do really well there, but uh are still obviously trying to, to figure that out as well. Yeah. Sure. We're, we're more of a grab and go option there where we're, we're found, um, impulse or yeah, yeah. like kind of by the, yeah. ca the, the cash register. And last but not least. So if we're going to separate this into two buckets, if you live in the Southeast in one of those cities that we mentioned, yeah. where can our listeners find the pops? And if you don't live in the Southeast <laughs> in the U.S., yeah. how do you get access to the Pops or is it you got to go visit one of those places? Yeah, so I would just check out our website, kingofpops.com or any of our social media. We're, we're pretty active on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook to find out the exact locations. Um, if you're not in, in the South, uh, hit up the website as well because we do ship um, boxes oh, wow. of 50 nice. Pops. Right now is our only option. Like, like I said, we're doing less. Less is more. The shipping can be sure, kind of crazy if you imagine. do too much less. But uh, we do ship um, throughout the U.S. And then beyond that, 
I don't have that many options for you, but we'd love to. We'd love to still, to <laughs> Come still follow us on social and media. And it, it, it's a busy airport, so if you ever make it to Atlanta, um, we're working on getting in the airport. But until then, um, come visit one of our stops one of our in Atlanta. Stops, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast yeah. today, and I'm so excited awesome. to have pops for breakfast. Like no we're gonna have that after. Yeah, we got. Stuff. Well, maybe uh, the I banana one. I, but the banana one. That would work. Lemon right. ginger. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, yeah. thanks a ton. Have a good day. All right. For more information on today's topic or to access additional leadership content, tools, and resources, check out contenderbrands.com. Also, you can download other ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store and Google Play Store. And remember, every winner started as a contender.